0: In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. This is quite the job description that Jesus gives us this morning. You will be like sheep among wolves. You will be detained by authorities, brought before councils, judges, governors, and kings. On account of the gospel, family will turn and betray one another and some will be killed and you'll be hated by all men. And by the way, the job doesn't pay well. Are you ready to sign up? I'd more likely sign up to be on dangerous catch as a uh, crab fisherman, the most dangerous job in America probably with known issues than to take a job with this description. And I don't really want to do either. But these words from Jesus in the gospel today that would likely send most of us running, saying, Jesus, I like you and I like your message, but no thanks. Instead, as we continue to read the gospels and the rest of church history, the disciples don't run, they go. What motivates them to do so? Knowing as we do that in the book of Acts and in the epistles we begin to see these things really happening. Arrests being made, persecutions happening, stonings happening, some indeed have died. What so motivates the disciples and what might yet motivate us to risk so much for the gospel? Why did they willingly agree to such a dangerous task? What drove them to embark upon it? And what can we learn about it towards the mission of the church in this a very different context? Thankfully, our epistle reading helps us understand such a motivation and the powerfulness of it. Through their experience with Jesus and especially following his resurrection and the events of Pentecost in which they received the Holy Ghost, the disciples slowly began to understand the depth of the grace of the gospel. Paul is making this in point emphatically in the fifth chapter of Romans, where he contrasts the effects of Adam's singular sin in the garden with the effects of God's grace through Christ throughout the world. Certainly sin and death did enter the world through that fateful day when Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit, But the grace of God does not cover a singular sin sometime in history, but all sin of all of us throughout history. And it is made available to all. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or as Paul says here, this free gift that we cannot earn do not deserve is available to all men to the many in order for them to be justified which means to be in right standing with God both in this life and the next. This type of grace and mercy is radical. It is far reaching. It does not make sense and yet here we are. In our own immediate context, we typically expect both of ourselves and others for people to earn their forgiveness, to make penance of some kind, to pay off their debts, to suffer the consequences. And yet God steps in through Christ and says that according to his accounting book, all your debts are forgiven. You can't pay it back anyway, and you don't have to. You're free of that. You're declared innocent in front of God. And not only that we are justified and made right before him, but that we can also be righteous, which means that we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live a righteous life now and forever. Have we let that fully sink in? Have you let that fully sink in, the truth of the grace of this radical gospel that says that you are free and forgiven of all sin, now and forever, and that you can live with God eternally? The disciples began to recognize the weight and significance of this gift and were willing to endure that terrible, horrible job description on account of it. But note very carefully that they did not seek to obtain it just for themselves. They didn't pursue and go through this valley of the shadow of death in order that they might get this gift and hoard it and put it on their shelves and keep it in their hearts. No, they pursued this gift for you, for me. Not to obtain it for themselves but to share it with the world as it is God's free gift to all mankind, the disciples took up this banner and ran with it, despite the cost, because it mattered. My own appreciation and understanding of this gift of grace that we have been given still lacks. It is not where I would want it to be. Perhaps that's because we have this culture that doesn't have a sense of God's demand and call upon our life. But the God who made creation, who made all things, as we read in Genesis 1, good, strangely enough, actually expects his creation to be so, to actually be good. He is not only creator, but he is judge. But not only is he judge, he's also redeemer, who has offered this gift. If we recognize that we have a debt that we cannot pay, we're then able to recognize the strong, extreme, radical benefit of that grace of forgiveness and life. As we gain this understanding, what are we, you and I, to do with that gift? Over these past few weeks in the life of the Church, we have transitioned away from our resurrection readings of the Easter season into the life and mission of the Church, which we receive through our Christian heritage the same mission as the disciples to bear witness and testimony and while we have significant religious freedoms that other Christians around the world may not enjoy we should know that they certainly happen and while we ourselves do not face imprisonment likely or death for our faith in telling other people about Jesus here in Oklahoma City such persecutions do happen around the world and are maybe not as far off as you might think An article caught my eye earlier this week, actually, on Wednesday, about a 62-year-old blind woman in Rhode Island who happens to live next door to a public park and a library. And she has a habit of when she meets people of telling them about her faith and about her Lord Jesus Christ. Recently, she was banned from the public park and public library for two years because of her sharing her faith. Such persecutions are not far off, perhaps. But even without such immediate things or anything as drastic as being brought before a council or testifying before Congress or the threat of our lives, most of us still keep that gift of grace to ourselves. Our faith is deeply personal, and many of us think it should only remain such. We like it, but we don't want to go and sharing it is daunting. But it's a free gift that, as we discussed, the disciples pursued not to obtain it, but to give it. There's an interesting perspective on this that continues to challenge me in the few years since I first ran across this video, and I've watched it numerous times over the years. I tell you it's an unlikely source because it's actually a video made by Pin Gillette. Some of you may know Penn's name. You know, Penn and Teller, the magic couple, the the duo, the show in Las Vegas. Not a very likely source for Christian inspiration, but here we go. About 12 years ago, Penn, who is a very noted atheist and very strongly still declares that he does not believe that there is a God, had an encounter after one of his shows with a Christian businessman who had been a part of the show the night before, who approached him, and insisted on handing over to Penn a small Gideon's Bible. You know the little small microscopic ones, just the New Testament and Psalms that we have to have a magnifying glass to even look at the front cover. Yeah, that one. Well, this man had wrote some kind words and was very complimentary to Penn in it, and had wrote his contact information should Pin ever want to follow up on it. But he handed him this Bible because he cared for him and he wanted to share his faith and wanted Penn to be exposed to it while certainly not believing, Pin was struck by it and was greatly appreciative of this man's efforts. Which is somewhat strange for a noted atheist to want someone to proselytize and to evangelize the gospel, but he was very appreciative. And goes on to say in his video that if you think you have the knowledge that people can actually have their sins forgiven and have eternal life, in his perspective, to not try and do so, to not share that message Seems to indicate a great deal of dislike for someone. He goes on to explain by use of an analogy. He says, If I saw that there was a truck coming towards you and was bound to hit you and likely kill you, how much must I not like you as a person, as a fellow human, to not try and move you to stop the truck or turn it aside? It's a matter of life and death says, how much dislike does it communicate if I don't try and save you from an oncoming truck? And if that's something that is in this physical life, how much more the eternal? Should we not seek to save our fellow humanity from the oncoming freight train of eternal death? Like I said, a harsh challenge from an unlikely source, but one that we should take perhaps process a little more clearly. To say it another way, how much disdain does it show for us of our fellow man and women for we're not willing to share the free gift of God with them, the knowledge that they can have their sins forgiven and live forever? How can we not share that, that people are loved by God in such an extreme and radical way? Perhaps we go back to Christ's message as a reminder. As Christ says, let us not fear men, how they might view us, what they might say about us, or even what they might do to us, but rather let us have such reverence for God and this amazing gift of grace through Jesus Christ, that he may lead us and prompt us into meaningful conversations today, tomorrow, throughout the week, in which we might find ourselves wanting to share this gift with a world that desperately needs it. May Christ so enable us and embolden us with his gospel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Thank you and for the Holy listening God. to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.